Hello and welcome to this week's episode of 321 Go Podcast. This week, we're listening to an interview I did for the Gym Owners Growth Summit with uh, PJ Mina. He is an M3 mastermind coach. Those of you that don't know our M3 groups are groups of five or six gym owners that all get together on a weekly basis, hold each other accountable, learn how to run your business better, and just overall crush it. And PJ's group is doing just that. One thing PJ is excels at exceptionally is in his retail presence. I've leaned on PJ multiple times with, uh, you know, hey, how do I improve my retail? Honestly, guys, I I am not good at retail. I just something that I've always struggled with in my business. And PJ has got the thing figured out. And as you'll find out in this interview, you can actually generate a significant amount of profit uh, with a well thought out retail strategy. But just like anything, you need a strategy going in, uh, you need to execute on that strategy, and then you need to evaluate the results after the fact. So PJ and I discussed some ways that he's gone about doing that in this interview. Also, if you're listening to this uh, and you want to, hey, maybe you want to learn more about retail, maybe you want to talk to PJ in person, uh, you could do that. We're having a Hubster Gathering in beautiful Park City, Utah, May 4th through the 6th, 2018. Seriously, guys, prices of flights are going up. This thing's a steal of a deal. It's You'll make your money back. Ask anybody that went to the last one we did in Charleston. It is well worth the time and the money that you put into it. Remember, business is about investment, right? There's a difference between your expenses and your investment, as we outline in today's episode, talking about retail, right? Why do you guys spend money buying protein at wholesale? Well, because you know you're going to turn around and you're going to sell it for a profit. We get that. It's really tangible. Same thing. When you invest in your education, you invest in making some connections, into networking, into getting all of these questions answered. Really, you're investing in yourself and... I don't know of a supplement company or pro shop or t-shirt option uh, that can return a greater investment than when you invest in yourself. That's really what entrepreneurship is all about, and that's what this gathering is all about. So if you've been on the fence about it, just do it, right? You put money into uh, becoming a better coach. You send your coaches to do their level two. You invest all of this money in your product, now it's time to invest money in you as the business owner. And that's what the gathering in Park City is all about. Today, sign up for it, buy your tickets. We'll see you in Park City, Utah, May 4th through the 6th for uh, our annual gathering. If you're listening to this and you're not yet a subscriber to The Hub, uh, you want to ask PJ some questions about his retail options, Subscribe to the hub. It's 69 bucks a month. 321goproject.com slash hub. It's an MBA in owning a gym. It's do-it-yourself courses. It's business templates. It's legitimately anything you need to run a gym. So hop in there. 321goproject.com slash hub. Now let's get on to today's interview with PJ talking about increasing and improving your retail presence. Awesome. So uh, we are talking about retail today, and 
I know that for, there are certainly some gyms that just really have this dialed in for most of us, myself included. Uh, this has always been a big struggle for me. So I, I think that I'm super excited pers- from a personal standpoint to hear more about what you have to say. So um, when it comes to doing retail, what is kind of your objective? I guess, you know, like how would you say that, you know, we have a successful retail program or, you know, our retail program needs some work? Sure. Um, you know, as I think Jamie Gallagher is going before me in this thing. And, you know, as he says, it's, uh, it's 2017 in CrossFit world. Um, we're, we're all running businesses, right? And so I think the days of being a CrossFit gym as a hobby is kind of behind us and we need to be able to run a revenue stream. So um, I think it's reasonable for retail to make up five to 10% mm-hmm. of your revenue. I think that's very reasonable. So if you are running uh, $30,000 a month and you're, you know, monthly revenue, uh, retail should make up 3% of that. Excellent. Or sorry, uh, uh, 3000 of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, so when it comes to running retail, I think that the accounting for retail is a little bit easier than it comes to accounting for a service, you know, like your coaching and, you know, your monthly membership. So how do we begin to think about, the expenses that go into retail. So we've got like costs of goods sold. It's kind of a new line item in our books when it comes to retail that maybe a lot of gym owners aren't accustomed to tracking. What are some other ways that you think about, you know, both the income from retail, but also the expenses that it takes to stock and manage your, your retail? Um, I'm I'm not quite sure I understand that question, but um, yeah, you have to realize that, if you sell $3,000 of retail, that probably costs you $1,800. So mm. you're really making $1,200 of profit. Um, and that would be the same as personal training. You sell $3,000 of personal training. Well, you got to pay the trainer. So um, any sort of ancillary service in addition to your CrossFit programs is probably going to have a cost associated with it. So, um, yeah, it's important to realize that with retail is you're not just making three thousand dollars you are having to um, buy that equipment or sorry buy that product probably having to pay someone to bill or you know add the add the uh, payments to their accounts um, paying payment charges paying shipping on stuff so there's definitely some costs associated with it too yeah and sorry I know that was a bit of a guy's question but you really hit the nail on the head I think in my experience when I talk with a lot of people about their retail like, man, we made six grand on fit aid, you know, this month. And, and typically it's like, well, your coaches bought most of that at cost. And yeah. you know, what did you, what did you really make on that? So I was basically just kind of teeing you up to say, you know, maybe some more disciplined accounting needs to occur when it comes to, to growing, growing your retail footprint. So, yeah. uh, PJ, let's start here. Um, when it comes to, increasing uh, increasing the, the revenue or increasing the profit that I do from my my retail services what are kind of uh, what is sort of my first step to making it an interesting experience for my members like how would you begin to think about the products that you carry first and foremost yeah so if you're if you're are you talking about like if you're thinking about just getting into the game you're starting up correct yep so 
my, my pro shop, we carry lots of stuff, but we started with just one brand of protein. And we, what we did is I picked a brand of protein that I personally used and stood behind that my coaches liked that I could talk about that I stood behind and we started carrying that. So I definitely would say, um, choose a product that you stand behind, that you believe in, that if you talk about, you can talk about with integrity. Um, the benefit of that is if it flops and it doesn't sell, you like it anyway. So, so you can take it home, you know? Um, but I definitely say first off is starting with a product you believe in, um, something that's going to taste good to your members too, because if it's a great product and it's clean and, um, you know, all this stuff, but it tastes terrible, people will buy it once and they're not going to, they're not going to repurchase it. Um, so flavor is going to be important. Um, but then really looking at the ingredients, knowing that you're giving your members a clean product and, and something that you'd personally use your coaches use and stand behind. Um, the other piece is you also got to look at margin. Um, if you talk to 10 different companies, uh, you'll get anywhere from a 15% margin to a greater than 50% margin. And I'd say um, 40% margin is probably should be the barrier to entry to most products. If you're paying um, more than that, if you're paying 80% or more and, and making less than 20% profit is probably not going to be really that great of a product to carry. Certainly. And I think going to your point about margins, you know, things to, that I always tend to think about, you know, Anytime I run a credit card, I just kind of build in 2%. Uh, certainly from retail items, uh, I would universally uh, say for maybe a couple states, you're going to be paying sales tax on that as well. So safe to say that maybe what, 10, I mean, what do you factor in? 10% is just eaten up by processing and sales tax? Yeah, it's, it's probably reasonable. Um, I'm in Oregon, so we fortunately don't pay sales tax. Uh, but I do have uh, an, an administrative person at the front desk who has to sit there and, you know, run all the charges each month. Um, you know, if something doesn't sell and we have to, you know, write it off or something like that, there might be some losses there. Um, I don't think we've had any problem with pilferage or, or theft, but that's a possibility too that you might have to factor in. Um, someone drops a fit aid can and it's dent, you can't sell it. Same thing. If you go to the grocery store, people drop pickle jars and they break. So you have to factor in some, some loss of products too. So uh, yeah, five, 10% is probably reasonable. Okay. Uh, so let's go back to the, the product line. Sorry, took us on a little tangent there, yeah. but uh, when it comes to your product line, you said you just started off with protein. That seems like really low hanging fruit right there. But then you, you sort of mentioned that you're, you're beginning to diversify these products, kind of what was your path to decide, all right, what I have protein in my pro shop. What do I add next? Sure. I honestly, it's been five and a half years in our retail journey. So I probably didn't think about it as, as logically as I should have in the beginning, but my thought process was I started with protein. Um, there's a limit to how many bags of protein you're going to sell each month. Only so many people need protein. Only so many people use it. Um, but if you offer protein and five people buy protein a month and five people buy fish oil per month and three people buy vitamin D per month and um, five use a pre-workout and five use an amino supplement, um, you've got 15 people buying t-shirts, you've got some people buying, um, you know, like a hand lotion or hand tear repair fix, that sort of stuff, um, maybe protein bars, you're going to reach a lot more people by diversifying. Um, so the more different products you can offer, the more different people you're going to be able to reach with your retail program. What is your, 
how do I say, maybe like, I guess research. I know you're not probably, probably not doing like, you know, like crazy market research, but you know, how do you kind of begin to feel out your membership and be like, Hey, what do you guys want? Like, what would you buy? You know? Cause I think you, we can run the gamut from like just crazy niche equipment, uh, you know, all the way to like whey protein It's a pretty basic thing. That's a part of everybody's understanding. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it's completely acceptable to ask and be, hey, guys, we're going to expand our um, retail, our pro shop. What would you like us to add? Um, a better way might be to do that is to uh, you know, ask people one-on-one. -on -one. So one thing that I do in my own business is I'll often take out um, some of our, our top clients out for coffee and just really get a feel for how things are going with the gym, what they're liking, what we can do better, um, give them some tips on their goals. But that might be an opportunity to find out um, what products they use and see if there's something you can provide for them so they don't have to pay shipping. Um, anything you can provide, you can probably provide it at a greater price, um, save them on shipping, save them convenience of getting it that day. And so it's doing them a favor as well. Gotcha. Um, now talk about growing. I mean, gosh, let's just be honest. If, if all of the gym owners watching this right now were to check even in this hour that, you know, that, that we're going to spend on this retail section, you're probably going to get five emails in this one hour trying to get you to, to buy another, add another retail product to your shelves. Um, so I, I know that you really advocate for growing your retail footprint very slowly. Yeah. Um, A, why is that? What, what is the benefit of, of growing that slowly? And B, sort of how do you begin to introduce those new things to people? Yeah, well, so if you're going to carry uh, different products, so like I mentioned, we probably carry uh, probably 20 different types of products in our, in our area. And I'll try to post, can I send you photos to post down below of like yep. what our product area looks like? Um, if I said, hey, go out and buy $10,000 worth of merchandise, um, you're going you're gonna to lose sleep stressing about whether it's selling or not whether people are liking it. Um, so really what we did was we started with just a brand of protein and we probably bought $300 worth of protein. Um, and that $300 worth of protein sold for $500. Um, so we bought $500 worth of protein and, and eventually that sold for 800. Now I don't need $800 worth of protein on stock. So at that point in time, we repurchase 500 and then now I've got $300 worth of capital that I can invest into something new. So I took the, uh, the $300 profit from that and I put that into, you know, fit aid, that sort of thing. So now I've got protein and fit aid selling when all of that sold. Now I have $1,200, um, repurchase your fit aid, repurchase your protein. Um, then we started carrying uh, a fish oil. Same thing. So you, you get the profits from those, um, repurchase your inventory and then start carrying a protein bar. And then do a, a t-shirt order. And just over time, you'll be able to use the profits from, from one product line to expand into a new line. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, down the road, you're going to have $10,000 in inventory. But it's all paid for from that original $300 investment in protein powder. If you're willing to take the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, do you, what do you use, PJ, to track? You know, obviously, so you, 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 know, you sell through all this protein. You, you know, you kind of want to track you know, how, how this is doing, how is this selling? What, like, what are some recommendations you have for gym owners tracking these types of things to then roll over these profits? Yeah, that is a uh, good question. 
And I haven't found the, the, the perfect way to, to manage that other than in your, um, in your member management system and your retail, ideally you're running things by item to where at the end of the month you can get an itemized list of, of what items sold and you can categorize them that way. Um, track your inventory as well. Um, if you take that, uh, that list of what you sold for the month and you can plug in what your cost is, what the selling cost was, what other um, inherent costs were. Um, if you want to take 10% profit for yourself before you reinvest, great. But figure out at the end of the month what all sold and what your cost was, what your profit margin was, and that'll give you an idea of, of what you have left over to reinvest. That kind of... Yes, that's, that's perfect. I, yeah. Easy, but if you take the time to do it, you can, you can find it. Certainly. Um, so you said that you uh, started off you selling products that you believe in, that you use. And so uh, I definitely know that there are products that, <laughs> that I really liked. I'm thinking of just like a couple uh, like drink flavors that I personally loved. And I thought that everybody else would love them. And I am, in, I am currently trying to go through like 700 cans of a flavor that nobody else likes but me. <laughs> But, um, so, but I, I do like this idea that, um, things that you believe in and that you can confidently sell to your membership. I, I think a lot of people struggle just like kind of with, uh, feeling sleazy, I guess, when it comes to sales. So I think something that you believe in that your coaches believe in will certainly sell through to your membership. So can you speak to this idea of you and your coaches being like, the champions of a product and what that does to your membership? Well, yeah, is if something tastes good, if something is, is, um, you know, if your coach wants to eat clean, you're not going to want them having something with sucralose in it. You're going to want to find a protein that sweetens stevia, for example, but, um, your coaches are going to use it out on the floor and people are going to ask you about it because your coaches are oftentimes some of your best athletes and, um, people don't think, Hey, um, that person's been working out for 10 years. Maybe that supplement they have in their hand right now isn't what resulted in that 10 years of fitness, but they, they see them, you know, using that protein. They're like, Oh, you know, Brad takes that protein, that protein makes Brad fit. And they ask about it. And if the coaches like it, they're going to, they're going to talk about it and that's going to start spreading the word and, and gaining momentum. Mm -hmm. And I, I do like you. So you mentioned a couple of other products that, you know, I always have a hard time, um, recommending things to people, but I think they're just things that we could generally say most people in our gym could use. And I like uh, protein. I would say most people in our gym are under eating on their protein. Uh, fish oil is one that we can just almost universally say, guys, you probably need this. Additionally, you had mentioned vitamin D, which is something I, I hadn't uh, heard before. So, uh, Anything else that you think that, I mean, aside from like t-shirts and things like this, just kind of things that we could basically say everybody would be safe to kind of recommend this to broad populations. Yeah. And so part of the reason why I believe that way is my, my background before opening the gym is I was a registered dietitian in the Air Force. So I, I still have my RD, um, studied nutrition in college, um, went on to get a, a board certification in sports nutrition. So um, I've done a lot of research on different products. So with that, you know, I believe strongly in, in vitamin D for its ability to improve energy production, improve bone health, improve hormone health, that sort of thing. Um, I think more than 80% of people are deficient in vitamin D. 
especially if you're in, in Oregon, where I am, when there's not a whole lot of sun. Um, so vitamin D is a big one, and it's really, it's like dirt cheap. It's dirt cheap. It's one of the cheapest supplements you can take out there. So it's something I think everybody should take. Um, fish oil is another one that's really common. Um, if people are having a hard time with sleep, magnesium. Um, Pure Pharma has an M3 product. That's magnesium. There's um, other, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to say particular brands or not, but um, there's lots of other um, companies out there that have might have a magnesium or ZME, uh, ZMA or some sort of a sleep aid. Um, that's going to be a big one. Um, if you have people working out on an empty stomach in the morning, um, your body is going to start breaking down muscle tissue for energy. So if you're doing empty stomach and can't tolerate food in the morning, I think a BCAA product, an amino product, is going to be a very um, useful tool there. Um, they have some BCAA products that have caffeine added to them too, so you can get that kind of perk up for your workout. Uh, for people who might go an afternoon without eating and then come work out at the gym, they might want to do a protein pre-workout with some carbohydrate added to it as well. So there's some different carbohydrate supplements on the market that you might want to add in um, either pre or during your workout. Um, electrolytes, there's some good companies out there that have different um, kind of sports drink, electrolyte type products that uh, we had a heat wave here in Oregon that people just weren't used to. People were gassing. and I did a post about Hey, make sure you're drinking lots of water, but if you take it with electrolytes, you're going to utilize that water a lot better, um, right? Uh, another one, we carry, uh, we carry rock tape products at our gym. Wrist wraps is something that just about everybody is going to need at some point in time in their CrossFit career. It's probably going to be the best $25 you spend because you only need them once. People come over, they're like, hey, my wrist hurts when I do thrusters. Great, I've got these wrist wraps over here. Um, work on your shoulder flexibility. Work on your um, external rotation. but in the three to six months that it takes you to get that range of motion, grab these wrist wraps and you're going to have a lot, lot better time in our classes. And, you know, a couple years down the road, you'll still probably wear them on your overhead squats, right? So wrist wraps are great. Uh, they carry knee sleeves as well, which is helpful. So um, lots of different stuff out there can be beneficial. Uh, we carry pumice stones too for hands. Simple little thing, volcanic pumice stones, keep them in the shower. Um, when you're showering, uh, the hot water makes your skin soft. Spend 30 seconds on each of your calluses. It's going to keep them from, from growing so big, they tear on polar bars. Um, um, a, a sidebar here, PJ, is, is an Oregon heat wave. Are we talking like 80, <laughs> 87, 88 degrees? Is that about? <laughs> like 65. Uh, no, we actually, we actually got the triple digits for like a Ooh. week straight. Which, um, you know, for, for a lot of Oregon, it's kind of like um, there's certain areas of the country where if it snows and there's ice on the road, people just drive like crazy because they're just yep. not used to it. So um, triple digits, you know, 101 for a few days was enough where people were like gassing and workouts and um, gyms were talking about like closing down for, you know, days. but I think it actually might have got up as high as 107 for a day. Um, but yeah, there's gyms are talking about closing because they didn't have AC. Um, so... Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, sorry for the sidebar. I just had to get that no, in. Totally. My my mother actually brought in these things called. Um, my mother works out at my gym, and she brought in these things called magic towels. That they're some sort of a towel you you get wet and you put around your neck to stay cold. And she put them out on the front desk for people to take for free. Oh, that's She's sweet. Um, okay, so we focus a lot on supplements, PJ. Uh, apparel. It, what are some of these items that you see sort of just you hit on a couple, uh, wrist wraps are great. Um, again, I think if you look at, you got a class of 15 people in there, probably 10 of them have wrist wraps on. So that's definitely 
one. Uh, anything else that you sort of see a lot of people ordering online that you could maybe provide at a similar cost on the shelves? Yeah, things things that we carry that are uh, very successful. Um, of course, your your t-shirts and your sweatshirts, um, sweatshirts and hoodies, depending on on where you're at, um, or tank tops. But then, um, from a gear standpoint, uh, wrist straps are, are really popular. Um, we've gone through at least fifty pairs of knee sleeves in the last few years, and those are pretty um, pretty high margin, high ticket items. So, and it's it keeps our people happy on their squats and wall balls and that sort of stuff. Um, knee sleeves have been great. Um, with rock tape, we have some gloves as well that we've probably done, you know, 30 or 40 pairs of gloves over the years. Um, headbands have been popular at some gyms. We haven't carried those at ours yet, but I've seen some gyms do like branded headbands and be successful. Um, we uh, used to carry um, Reebok shoes at our gym. We actually had shoes for a long time and those were a pretty good item. Um, we've also done like socks. Long socks are great to have on hand. Have a rope climb day. You're going to have some people who forgot socks, and they'll they'll pay ten or fifteen bucks for a pair of socks so they don't get that rope burn. Um, so it's again a convenience item for them. Uh, we also do jump ropes. Cool. I like the jump ropes. I like the jump rope idea. I think that it is the bane of every gym owner's existence to ha- to to have jump ropes for their members to use. They never end up uh, looking nice. So I like the idea of just selling. You know. Even just a $10 jump rope, I think, would go a long ways. Um, yeah, get an get a inexpensive jump rope. Don't, don't, I mean, you can carry the more expensive ones. I'm not going to badmouth any of them, but you might not sell as many $80 jump ropes. Um, but if you can find a, you know, like an ultra speed cable rope, what used to be the main brand for under 10 bucks, you can sell it for 20 just to have it on hand and having the convenience of having a coach help them measure and cut it on, on site, make sure they have the right length for them. I like that. Add a little service to, I think anytime we can add a little value added service to a retail item, uh, the sort of, you know, the, the cooler it becomes, it's a, it's a experience at this point. So, um, so pre-orders PJ, uh, is there, do you have a rule for like, a, do you do pre-orders and then how do you determine which items you're going to do a pre-order for? Yeah, I've, I've heard of a lot of gyms doing pre-orders for, for protein and that sort of thing. Um, Sometimes when I do a product launch, if I'm pro- uh, launching a new line, I will do a post about it, post their, their lineup and let people comment with what they want. So I make sure I get that in stock. Um, occasionally, if I'm doing a reorder for a brand of protein or something, I might say, hey, guys, I'm reordering. Let me know what flavors you want. Um, but for the most part, I just let that stuff sit there and kind of passively sell, um, maybe post about it here and there. Um, apparel, you got to pre-order apparel, though. Um, you got to either pre-order apparel or you got to do one of those orders online because what you don't want to do is order a hundred t-shirts and have it flop and then have 60 of them sitting there or having, um, you know, 15 men's size small, which nobody wants, you know? Um, so apparel, you got to pre-order for sure. And, um, the way I do that is first off, you got to get the word out. So we use Wattify. We will post an actual photo of the garment to be ordered in the Wattify announcements. Our coaches will talk about it every day. Go to a a print company or get a color printer and actually print out pictures of what the apparel looks like and put them everywhere in your gym because people want to see it. Um, You know, maybe send one or two emails out about it, just an announcement and then a last chance to order. Um, But really push that pre-order hard. We've used Google Forms for apparel orders in addition to having a clipboard at the gym so people can do either way. Um, 
but when we did our last pre-order, we did, I think, 60 t-shirts on our pre-order, um, shirts and tank tops, which is a ton, right? Um, that means that's about a third of the people at our gym. So we'd got 60 t-shirts um, pre-ordered. Uh, what the cost for those were, I think they're maybe about 15 bucks a t-shirt. We sell them for 25 so that $15 per t-shirt, um, our cost, we were able to buy, I think, 90 shirts with the revenue from the 60 that were purchased because we bought 60 that people paid 25 for. Um, divide that by our cost at 15, I think we were able to get about 90 shirts. So I was able to provide the 60 shirts that people pre-ordered, but now I've got 30 shorts, uh, shirts I can put on, on the shelves to have on inventory and those are all completely paid for. So again, I'm not super stressed if they sell or not, mm -hmm. but I can uh, use that money, the profit from the pre-order to provide my on-hand inventory. And that way when I have new members join who want a shirt, um, the people who missed the pre-order, um, people who are drop-ins, they can buy a shirt as well. And of no. course, you want to use the sizing that were most popular in your pre-order to dictate what you're gonna order more of. I was getting ready to say that exact same thing, PJ. I, there was, for some reason, I feel like five years ago, there were a lot of dudes were a size medium in CrossFit. And I don't know if they've just been like, you know, taking their whey protein or what, but now all of a sudden I feel like everybody's a large. Uh, yeah. so, but I would definitely agree with you that the having a, just a percentage of sizes as it comes to retail, pre-order is a really easy way to be like, all right, 30% of guys are size medium or, or whatever the, whatever the case may be. So, um, let's talk about running, running the actual retail transactions. I know there's a lot of solutions here all the way from paper and clipboard to really nice. Uh, I've even seen these crazy vending machines. They're like big vending machines with bags of protein and t-shirts and, People stick a credit card in there. And so the range is pretty wide. Uh, what are your recommendations on this front? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, if you are having people grab a coach in the middle of a class to come over and swipe a card for like a $1 water bottle, um, think carefully about, about whether that's a good use of time or not, taking, taking attention away from the class. So I think you got to have some other autonomous way for people to get their, their purchases if you don't have a front desk. Um, because people are going to buy water bottles, they're going to buy um, you know, recovery drinks. Um, I, can, I have it set up so people can buy a pair of knee sleeves in the middle of a class. Um, so I think a vending machine would be great if you can get one. They're going to be expensive. Um, other drawbacks of that might be that you, only one person can use it at a time. So if you have three people run over on a break who want a recovery drink, um, there might be a wait. They might not be able to get that in time. Um, benefit is you're going to have no issues tracking inventory. You're going to have no issues with theft. You're going to make sure everything's paid for and, and accounted for, right? Um, so there's going to be some pros there too. Um, the clipboard system, I've seen that. Um, Things that I would worry about with a clipboard would be you might have a member write down their name. They might buy three items. Um, and then the next person might come down and write it in the wrong columns. That might get messed up. Um, you got to, you know, take the clipboard every once in a while. And it'll be kind of messy where you might have the same person, you know, a few different times on the clipboard. So it might be inefficient to, to run in a linear fashion. Um, people might not want other people to know what they're purchasing either. Um, so what we found is, a, is our solution is we have, uh, we of course have the old coffee can. 
um, that people can put cash in. Um, but we also have what we call yellow slips. And I, I wish I had one in front of me, but it's, it's about this size, um, about the size of a business card, maybe a little bit bigger. And it has um, the number one, it says full name, it says number two, items, number three, signature. And basically what people do is they come and they just grab a yellow slip, they write down their name, the items they got, they sign it, and then they drop it in the jar. And what we do is at the end of the night, every night we empty that jar, we take it to the front desk, put it in the front desk drawer, and I've got my, my front desk guy will twice a week just take all those guys and he just does batch work where he'll, he'll take them, you'll find Marcus buys protein cookies every day, he'll just take all the Marcus slips and he's a real person. He's a cool guy. Um, he'll take all the Marcus slips and put them in a stack, all the Christy slips and put them in a stack, all the Eric slips and put them in a stack. And then he'll just add those all to that person's account at one time. And it's pretty time efficient in that way. I like that. And it, and it seems that that is, so the model that you're using, basically what I hear you saying is choose something that's scalable, right? Um, you know, batching the work sounds good. You know, batching transactions together will save you on these processing costs per, you know, per credit card run. So really thinking about how do you scale up this retail system as you grow it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, probably better ways out there, um, but that's worked well for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in thinking about sort of next steps, we – it's a weird thing. If you spend any time in like these Facebook groups or anything, the, the big joke has become, you know, kill cliff or fit aid, you, these, these types of questions. Um, but kind of what I hear from you, you know, overall, I guess what you're saying is like, Hey, proof's in the pudding. You know, if, if protein powder sells, you know, buy more of that protein powder, uh, so on and so forth. The pre-order for the apparel seems like a really great way to get an idea of what type of apparel uh, people will sell. Um, so I, you've laid the groundwork for really solid sort of retail setup. Now, uh, I know you said that you would give us pictures, but I want you to give us just uh, wrapping up with a few tips on how do you display this stuff to make it just, you know, really attractive to where people are wanting, they're drawn into your pro shop and they want to grab something off the shelves and buy it. Yeah, you want to have it organized. So if you have everything stacked up and jumbled and, and crazy, it's it can be it's just messy, right? So um, have somewhere where you can keep your excess inventory, but just put out like one or two bags of protein of a flavor so you're not have, putting everything on the shelf at the same time. Um, get enough shelving that you can display everything. We use mostly those IKEA, you know, four by two expedite shelves that are, are pretty inexpensive and look pretty classy. Um, for our T-shirts, we were able to get plastic kind of people models where you can put a T-shirt on. It looks like a looks like a, a torso, so you can actually see what it looks like on a person. Um, and then we've really taken the time to, for a lot of products, create a little like three by three card talking about what whey protein does, or you know BCAA question mark. Here's a couple bullet points on on why you should take it. Um, Hand care. Here's my three tips for hand care. Pumice stone in the shower. Um, use a, use a lotion a few times a day or hand solve. And then if you tear, put something, you know, like CrossFix or wad welder on it, whatever you like, like, but create education as well into it. But, um, I think the more space you can have where you can actually space things out a little bit, kind of give them their own area, 
provide some um, education. It's going to look a lot more visually appealing. Look at any of the, the high-end boutique shops, and they're going to have a lot less out. And you look at you know some of the, the bargain shops out there, you know, your TJ Maxx or whatever, and everything's jumbled and all over the place and unorganized. It's hard to find your size. So you know, step it up. You want to be a premium, premium shop. I really like that. You know, you, I, we're going a little bit long, but I think it's worth talking about uh, the educational component, this idea of a three by five card. I think that's brilliant, man. Like it's, you know, people walk by it, they'll stop, they'll, they'll take it in. It's, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, reclaimed furniture is kind of a cool thing, you know, and there's always this, Hey, this, you know, this piece of wood came out of this old barn and it, it, it provides a story. So, how do you go about, you know, educating people on the products that you sell? What are some tactics we can use on that front? Yeah, absolutely. So that card is great. Um, every time you make one of those cards, maybe pick, you know, if it's intimidating to write out everything at once, pick, pick one a week and, and make a card up. And then guess what? That card is going to make the basis for a really great Instagram post. So, <laughs> you know, post about, hey, whey protein, you know, take a picture of the picture of the bag. Um, talk about the benefits of whey protein. You don't have to explicitly write in the bottom, buy protein from us. You don't have to be, you know, salesy. Just say, hey, here's a few great things about whey protein and, and why you should take it after workout and happen to have a photo of the whey protein you carry in that, in that post. Um, you can include a similar post to that, you know, maybe, maybe in the footer to your emails to your members. I wouldn't necessarily all the time send out emails directly to your members just about one product. But if you're selling a, sending out a, a member's newsletter with some events and you've got a, a useful video on toes-to-bar progression and at the bottom, hey, quick tip on vitamin D, you know, that's going to help get the word out without being pushy. Yeah. Uh, one other tactic I want to hit on, and, and my memory was just jogged as I was looking out of my office window. Hey, we, so I, I'm having a new t-shirt design come out and we're just kind of churning over all of our t-shirt designs. And I just put out a trying to get rid of, you know, we've got probably 25 shirts on the shelf. So I put out a sign, you know, half off all apparel until this date. And I'll tell you what, it, it, people that walk by the pro shop just kind of blindly every day, all of a sudden are just stopping for a beat and buying things that they really don't need or had no intention of buying. So as a tactic, this idea of a monthly special or just drawing attention to something on a monthly or quarterly basis. How have you used that to sort of increase, you know, either increase demand or just kind of get old stuff off the shelves? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I've got a static, you know, shelving area in my gym where um, we keep our products, but then we also have a little table in the entryway and I'll just feature different things. And I just try to rotate it about once a month. So we might put a, out a new line that we're trying to promote. Um, maybe I'll do a special. So there is a product we had that wasn't selling very well. I wanted to phase it out. So we did for August, we did $10 off this product. Um, we just got new t-shirts in. We put them out for about you know two weeks and then put them on shelves. So I'm um, just trying to kind of do some rotation there. Um, rotating special, you can do a, a promo. You can do, uh, we did a free t-shirt with a purchase of something big or a free shaker bottle with a you know, bag of protein. So you can add something too. Um, you can discount, you can just put it out and say, hey, new product. You didn't have to do a discount. So doing ro rotating products. Um, we do a tasting once a month where my front desk person will be up on a, maybe on a Monday night when it's busy and give out some free protein samples or free uh, protein bar samples or you just really talk about products. 
Um, and then along the same lines is whatever your retail area is, if you just periodically rotate it or reorganize it or put something that was on the bottom shelf on the top shelf and just put things in a different order, the, the eye is attracted to things that are different. And so if they walk by and something's different, they might be more likely to take a look. I like it. Uh, PJ, a ton of great tips. PJ, thank you so much, man. This is awesome. I, like, I've got uh, great notes here. I've jotted down a bunch of stuff that, that I'm going to take away. So I, I certainly appreciate your perspective there. So PJ Manoff, thank you, sir. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of 321Go Podcast. As a reminder, if you have not yet subscribed to this show, share it with a friend. If you're not a member of our hub platform, you need to be right now. I'm in, I mean, your business may be fine. You may not have anything to learn. You may not need to learn how to do any Facebook ads or anything like that. In that case, if you got unlocked, by all means, don't subscribe. If you have questions, if you want to learn how to do things, if you want a staff handbook, if you want to take a course on how to run Facebook ads and create lookalike audiences and put pixels on different uh, web pages, you can do it in there. And it's super cheap and it's done at your own pace. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more, 321goproject.com slash hub. Additionally, today, prices are going up. Go ahead. Reserve your spot. 2018 Hub Gathering in Park City, Utah, May 4th through the 6th. We have a room block available as well. Great price on rooms. But you guys, flights are going up. So go ahead and reserve. If you're on the fence, go ahead and sign up for it right now. You will see a return on that investment greater than any investment you make this year. I can guarantee it because you're investing in yourself. So again, go to 321goproject.com. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can reserve your spot in the 2018 Hub Gathering. And we'll see you in Park City, Utah.